Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 15. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up by f- until we all reach unity in the f- faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. morning everyone. It is so good to be together, particularly in school holidays when we're all in here together. Uh, And we're talking about church. What are we doing here this morning? So it is great to, uh, as the whole service has said, to to be here before God, together as his family to consider these things. How about I pray that God might speak to each of us, to meet with us and where we're at uh, through his word. Please pray with me. Dear Father God, uh, just thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that we can delve into a a great passage of scripture. Thank you that you're very clear on how you speak to us, and I do pray that you'd clearly speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you find that everyone, when you look around, seems to have a cause? There's always somebody marching, somebody protesting, somebody uh, going to cheer somebody else on, or somebody just trying to get your attention for you to join their cause. And there's I'm not sure whether it's just the season or I'm noticing it more, but whether it's footy season and everybody's wearing their colours and cheering their team on, and yes, the Maroons were robbed last week, I've got to say, but people have got a cause. Whether it's um, protesting, people with banners, trying to get attention, roadblocks, or whether it's fundraising, they're raising attention for a particular charity that they're um, either doing walks around Australia that you can sponsor to, beanies for brain cancer. There's all these things trying to get your attention, trying to get uh, help you see their cause and hopefully you to join their cause as well. But when you stop and think about it, what are, what's our cause? What are we on about? What are we passionate about? What are we cheering for? Particularly as we sit here in church on a Sunday morning, we're here But even what's the cause of church? Like, what are we working towards? What's our goal? What are we doing at church? What do we want for each other? What does God want for us as a church? What is that all about? This passage is a great passage that shows us the importance, it's actually like uh, directions of what are we about as a church? So we're just going to spend a few minutes uh, like we've been doing during the school holidays. I want to walk us through the passage But then we're going to get some people up to be interviewed at the end to actually flesh out what does this mean for them and how they see it applies for the rest of church. So the first bit we're going to look at is is the start of this passage where it talks about your goal, your goal. 
So it starts off uh, how Christ gave the church, talking about the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to, to do something. If you paid a t- it's almost like a listening test to the Bible reading, isn't it? What are they, what's their role? What are they to do? goes on. To equip his people, that is, people in the church, for works of service. All right, so we're all involved in works of service, but still, so that, so that what? What is the goal of being equipped, us all being involved for works of service? For what outcome are we pursuing? So that the body of Christ may be built up. So that we all get strengthened. But what does that look like? Now, there's a helpful image in this passage that sort of gets lost if you get caught up in the detail, but there's a lot of body language. Like bodies get built up. Now, we're going to find out later that the body image is talking about the body of the church. But the body language is just, when you take a step back, it's very explicit. I'll just go through the bigger picture of the passage. It's the body may be built up, that we may become mature, Uh, The actual Greek word in that sentence is that tall in stature is what it's talking about. No longer infants tossed back and forth. So we don't want to be small, but we want to become, uh, we want to grow to become in every respect the mature body. We want to be the whole body joined together, held together by supporting ligaments and we grow and build itself up. There's a lot of body language going on here. That's a very helpful image when we're thinking of the church as the body and when we think of how that happens uh, it's actually not only I just thought I'd flick your photo up it's a photo of my early days actually of how a body can be built it was a long time ago right Arnold Schwarzenegger Mr Universe like he was the strongest guy around and you could see it Nobody was pushing his around. He's big and strong. If you want to talk about uh, being tall in stature, strong, not like a child being tossed around, you've got to think of this guy. He's the man. Nobody's pushing or pulling him around. He was the guy in the day, and somewhat still is as an older guy. Um, But it's actually a helpful image to go, this is the language Paul is using to describe us, the church, big and strong. But what does that look like as a church? It's not a physical thing, we're all not meant to actually look like him. But it goes on to say, so that the body of Christ may be built up, this is what it looks like. There's three things. Until we all reach unity in the faith... They were all growing in our faith in Jesus. We're not here as a club. It's all about faith in Jesus. That's the first thing. Second thing, they were built up in the knowledge of the Son of God. They were built up about understanding who Jesus is, why we should worship him. And it's actually not just knowing about him, it's knowing him personally. It's a personal relationship with him that we're built up in our knowledge of Jesus. And our third thing, to become mature or high in stature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, that we're actually to grow in our likeness of Christ, that we're actually, uh, the greatest form of flattery is to, to replicate what people do. So to worship Jesus is to actually go, how can I live as a child of God and serving God the Father? We look to Jesus. So we have three things. We, uh, unity in our faith in Jesus. We grow in our knowledge, our understanding of Jesus. And we become mature in our likeness of Jesus. 
So if you want to see what a mature church or the goal of church is, it's these things, to be strong, strong in Jesus. So the goal of our church here, uh, we often use the phrase, we want to make and grow disciples of Jesus. It's, th- it's from these sort of passages. We want to see people come to know Jesus, but also grow in him. Our goal here is not to have a full church, although that's nice. Our goal here is you know, to see these amazing things, to have amazing bands, although it's nice. But our goal is to see people growing in strength and we're doing it as a church together. That's our goal. Now, why is this important? Why is this important that Paul would write to this church in Ephesus and go, this is what I want for you, this is what God wants for you, to be this strong church? It's because it's about something really serious. It's about your soul. It's a soul matter. Uh, And soul is our spiritual side of us, our spiritual connection with God in this case. It's a salvation issue. A soul, it it impacts your eternity, is what Paul is talking about here. That's why he goes on to say, uh, we get this image of the strong person or the strong church as opposed to the other person who is small and weak. Goes on verse 14. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there in every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. And we kind of know, we, we always get a little bit worried, particularly as a parent, when you see a little child swimming in the waves. You don't want them to fall over and get a mouthful of water and, or at least hurt themselves, but we definitely don't want them to be swept away and drowned. And this is kind of what the image Paul wants us to see. He doesn't want you to be spiritually drowning, taking you away from Jesus who gives you life. Actually, I, I sometimes wonder how much we do appreciate how God watches over us, seeing us like we're swimming in the surf, how much he actually cares for us, how much he's passionate for us. Uh, There was a story in the news this week, you might have seen it, about baby Alba. Alba was born on the 22nd of February in Ukraine. And if you think back, uh, she was born uh, two days before Russia started dropping bombs on Ukraine great timing. She was not only born in bad timing when the country moved into chaos, but she was, uh, in, she was in trouble. She almost died. She was born at 28 weeks, so she was very small, very weak, and after she was born, the doctors found her lungs were collapsing and she had a bleeding on her brain, so she needed several operations. Her chances weren't good. The other complication, apart from their country being in chaos, her having serious Uh, physical problems, Uh, the the lady who gave birth to her was a surrogate mother. She wasn't actually her um, maternal mother, you might say. So she had no obligation to be concerned about the future of this girl. She was just carrying a baby for someone else. So for baby Alba, there was so much going on in Ukraine that people had every reason to walk away from her. Other concerns, people concerned about their own safety, Uh, She needed lots of attention just to live, and her parents weren't even there. So what is the future of this baby named Alba? Well, we can meet Jess and Kevin from Melbourne come on the scene. Great Aussie people, great Aussie names, Jess and Kevin. They risked their lives to come into Ukraine to save them, to save her. 
say, uh, they talked about how difficult it was to leave Australia at that time earlier this year, everything's still half locked down in COVID, to go into a place like Ukraine. The, the Australian government's going, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. They're phoning, had phone calls every day from the Australian embassy going, are you sure you want to do this? The Ukrainian government was saying, everybody's leaving the country, are you sure you want to come in? So they had that fight. Then they had to go into Ukraine, find this baby, and then when they found her, arrange helicopters to take her out of the country to the Maldives and then on to London and then to organise not one operation to help her uh, brain ble bleeding, but five operations so that she could live. This couple risked their lives, risked everything they had, cost them a fortune, risked everything for her. Now the story on the news is a good news story. It's a picture of Jess and Kelvin with their baby back in Melbourne, and you've got to ask the question, why did they do it? Why did they risk everything, including their lives? It was because they were the maternal parents. They were, she was their DNA. She was their blood. She was their child. So for their love, they would travel halfway around the world in a country going into war to save a girl that was almost dead, that needed several operations. They did that because she was their child. And then to get them back. So the celebration on the, on the news was not just, hey, they're back in Melbourne, this is a good story, but also they're rejoicing because she's put on three times the weight. So she's not only uh, had her operations medically, uh, she's a lot better positioned. She's also growing and she's much stronger. Her chances of living now are so much better. And you can see the joy in their eyes going, this is awesome. She's now stronger, growing, safer. You know, I hear that story and go, that is amazing. Who would do that? Travel half around for a child that's almost dead. Risk your own life. Spend all your own money. Why would you do that? It's their love for their child. Thought, Isn't that just even a taste of what God does for us? That is, we're born into a sinful world. A world that's rebelled against God, a world that uh, wants to go its own way, only looks after itself. And in a sense, we're born into a sinful world with sinful hearts. We're, we're contaminated as well. We've got this condition. We've got a problem with God. Yet God sends his son Jesus to come in as a rescuer, to, to leave his safe throne in heaven, but to come into our world, a sinful world. In fact, a sinful world that rejects God so much, they killed God's son. He didn't just risk his life, he gave his life so we could live. When Jesus went to the cross, almost it is, the, the Bible uses language like it's a heart transplant. Our heart that was contaminated with sin and rebellion was removed and Jesus' pure heart was put into us so we can be forgiven, so we can be called righteous. But yet Jesus takes our sinful hearts, which leads to death, death on a cross. Jesus does this why would Jesus do that for you and for me? Because we're his children. The Father sends Jesus because we're his children. We are precious to God. The Bible talks about angels rejoicing in heaven when we turn and believe in Jesus. Because we are saved. We've accepted this invitation into his family. I also suspect, though, the angels would be grieved to see when we're like infants tossed back and forth. We're a loving Father God who pursues us, rescues us, but then we sort of flop around. We don't draw near to the Father. We don't take him seriously. 
So we're, we're weak and we get taken away from him, washed out like the waves. The spiritual, uh, a spiritual trouble. This is this passage that Paul's talking about. We don't want to see you. It grieves people like me to see people drift away in their faith, being taken away. It grieves other people that you know get taken, taken away. Paul says, be the strong person. Be the strong church. Build up and strong because we don't want to see you taken away. You are precious to God. Precious to God. That's our goal. This is important because it's about your soul. But also when we're talking about the church, you have a role. Thank you. I come up with that. That's original. Your goal, your soul, your role. Because this is a church thing. It's not just for the ministry out the front to be worried about these things. It's us as the body of the church. And notice here how he talks about the us language. In, uh, instead, instead of being like the weak child, speaking the truth in love, we will, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Picking up that language we saw first. We are on this journey. We want to grow strong into the likeness of Jesus. And then, notice the language you use, how it's the whole body that contributes to this, as well as God himself. God gives us strength, but we, we, um, we, we feel that. So the last verse, from him, the whole body, so if God gives us this church, God gives us each of us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows to build itself up in love as each part does its work. We all have a part to play in this. I know it's easy to think we've got staff or leaders or people in high positions that should be looking after us, but it really doesn't matter whoever you are, whether you've been here at Southside for a long time or only a little bit of time, whether you're an older person or a family uh, leading your own family or whether you're a young adult or whether you're a kid sitting here this morning, we belong to each other and we have a part to play in building each other up. It's a very unique thing in our world that we all are valued and we all have a part to play. We all have a role. I want to do two things this morning just to encourage those people who are committed to doing this stuff. So there's formal ways that this happens. So we have people that sign up to, to, to look after us. Now we talk a lot, uh, usually in this space, the kids are at kids' church, we talk to adults, and we talk about growth groups. That's where we spend a lot of our time engaging in relationships and spending time in God's word and growing together. But also, with everybody here, we want to spend a bit of time how that works out for the rest of our church family, with our kids, with our youth. And we're, like, I looked at the, some of the, uh, the stats that we got. We've got over 50 people that serve in our creche, our kids' ministry and youth ministry. They say, hey, this is valuable. I'm going to put myself forward, give up my own time, my own energy to invest in others, others that are much younger than me. Young adults do that, parents do that, adults do that. They all invest in, you might say, the next generation of believers as we make and grow disciples. That's not just adults, little disciples of Jesus. There's lots of things that happen formally. So I want to just acknowledge that this morning and show our appreciation. What you do is valuable, it's precious, and it's who we are as a church or what God wants us to be as a church. 
But I also want to encourage you, informally, there are lots of ways we speak into each other's lives and build each other up. This morning we were meant to have uh, a baptism, and unfortunately uh, that was for Doug and Danny baptising baby Arthur. Uh, they're a bit crook this morning and couldn't show up. Uh, so this illustration was going to work great until that happened. But a part of the baptism, we get parents up, we ask parents, you know, are you going to, do you follow Jesus? Yes. Do you promise to raise your child to, to know and love Jesus? Yes. And then we ask you guys, the church body, do you promise to help the parents to raise their child to know and love Jesus. So this child will grow up as a little disciple of Jesus. And usually we all stand up and say, we do, we do that. But we need to stop at that point and go, how are we doing that? It's not just something we stand up and say. How are we going to support each other growing strong in our faith, in our love and knowledge of Jesus? How do we do that? Even when we uh, baptise an infant, we're committing to them. It's a great process, and I'm very thankful that we go through this process, but it's also meant to trigger us. We're a church family. We've all got a part to play. Doesn't matter whether we're a senior, middle-aged, young adult, teens, kids, we've all got a part to play in that. Now, at this point in time, there's a whole lot of ways that I could try and put meat on the bone in a sense to, to try and flesh out what does that look like I'm going to let other people do that so I'm going to invite a few people up on stage to help share what impact has others had on them and just talk about how we can do this better as a church so uh, it is very scary getting up on the stage so I want to give you a round of applause to encourage Paul and Janet Gina Rosie and Albert if you guys want to come up grab a chair as you come up thanks guys You can see how much they're rushing, so you might need another round of applause. <laughs> Sorry. That's awesome. Grab a seat there. Got you guys, because you guys have got all slightly different stories. And uh, I think that's really helpful for us to think about might need one of those. Thank you. Thanks, Gina. Uh, Gina, you've been at Southside for a little while. You're one of our youth leaders. But can you share a little bit about how other people have impacted you or shaped your faith as you've grown as a believer in Jesus? Yeah, so a um, little bit of background. So I grew up in a non-Christian family. Um, I still always believed in God, but no one had ever taught me about Jesus. Um, and then I'd say at probably about age 13, I feel like I was at the stage where I was making a lot of decisions for myself and I was probably heading down, I would say, the wrong path. Um, and with that, I just feel like, um, yeah, it was just uh, adolescence. I mean, <laughs> I feel like a lot of teenagers can relate. There was just, there was a lot going on. Like, I think especially in my home life, um, having an alcoholic father, I didn't really know who to trust. I didn't know who to turn to. Um, but thankfully, when I was 14, I met Jesse, who is now my husband. Um, and yeah, I just began to learn about Jesus. And I was just, yeah, I was so grateful that people would invest time in me. And I had a lot of questions. And there was a lot of people who had answers for me. And yeah, I think even when people didn't have answers for me, they knew where to point me 
know what yeah what direction mm. to point me in and yeah I just think a lot with identity stuff um that really helped me growing as a Christian to just when I would go home I didn't have good role models in my parents and so I would go to church and I would have good role models um yeah just people who taught me Christian living and so yeah I just feel like that was yeah pretty amazing to grow up having that yeah particularly uh if your parents weren't Christians, you weren't getting that at home, to see that in church and support that in church um, is an amazing testimony to what the, the role they've done. So for us here at Southside now, um, particularly in light of your experience, can you give us any tips on how can we uh, support and encourage and build up people on the journey similar to yourself? Yeah, I just feel like um, if I could offer any encouragement, it would be to invest in the younger people in this church, whether it's kids or teenagers or... Yeah, because I think, yeah, we have a lot of kids at youth group who don't go home to Christian families. And, yeah, I just think kids have a lot of questions. And I feel like it's a time in your life when you're really trying to figure out who you are and what direction you're going. And if you just have one person in your life that not only invests the time to, yeah, just answer those hard questions for you, but praise over you and ask you how yeah. you yeah yeah that's awesome thank you now for you rosie similar sort of there's a theme here about who impacted you a little bit in your faith can you tell us a little bit about who, how people shaped your faith yeah for sure so almost the opposite story as well here in that uh i have been blessed that there has not been a day in my life that I haven't been aware um, of God, of who he is and what he's done for me in Jesus. My parents were super faithful uh, with me and my siblings. Um, we were taught from God's word almost every single day of my life. Um, and as every family goes through uh, hard moments and good moments, mine was no different, um, some significant highs and some significant lows, and I watched my parents go through them with their faith and also explicitly teach us at an age-appropriate way for how old we are, how God's word was impacting, how they were feeling about the circumstances we were going through. And so had incredibly strong role models uh, within my little immediate family circle, which was such a blessing. Uh, and at the same time, similar to what Gina's saying, um, just had an incredible church family around me at different points in my life. Uh, God has not just put me as a skirman, um, but he has placed me in a wider family uh, of believers. And so you laughed at me earlier when I could name them, but since I was in kindy, there have been significant people in my life and there's been Dell and, and Nat and uh, Lachlan and Becky and Belinda and Stu and Rachel and Deb. And I just look back and I go, I can't remember some of the stuff they taught me, but I remember that they loved me and they were there for me at church and at youth and at kids' church week after week. And I just wanted to be them when I grew up. They were such faithful role models. And at moments where sometimes I didn't want to talk to my parents about some of the things I was going through, uh, even as, as good parents as they were, I just didn't want to. Uh, you all know that, right, kids? Um, and so just having other role models around me was super encouraging to me in my faith. I just wanted to be like them when I grew up and I just loved it. In case you missed that, I did laugh at you when you told me that because it's amazing. Rosie can name every Sunday school teacher she had, youth leader. Like, that's what you're doing, right? That impacted you that much. That's an encouragement to, to our kids' church teachers, youth leaders, that uh, you do have an impact. 
Thanks. Uh, you are now overseeing our youth ministry. Can you tell us a little about what is the purpose or goal of youth ministry? What are you doing in that time of the week? Yeah, so our goal, really similar, is really cool looking at Ephesians 4. There's another part of the Bible in Colossians 1 where Paul talks about wanting to present everyone as mature in Christ. And so that's what we're trying to do at youth, uh, make and grow disciples and not just teenage disciples. We want to see these guys become adult disciples whose faith took root in their teen years. Uh, we believe that young people are capable of vibrant faith uh, and it's super exciting to be a part of developing that. We also don't just want to see them be teenage Christians and that's it. Uh, we are knowing that they are here as part of the body of Christ. They're going to be adults one day uh, and we want to see them go the long haul for Jesus but having this significant time invested in them as teenagers. Yep. So that's not just for two or three hours on a Friday night. Can you give us a tip on how we can help with that as a church? Yeah, fantastic. I think I was up here six months ago and I said, hey, I have a challenge for you all. Can you get to know the name of five young people in the church? Um, there's been significant stats that says if a young person has five people who know them, um, they won't leave the church. Um, there's some other stuff going on there, but it's significant when we're known and when we're loved. And so if you took up that challenge and you got to know the name of five young people in the church, I encourage you to keep building on that. If you didn't, I encourage you to go and do that again. Maybe you weren't here when I said that, but go and get to know the name of five young people and chat with them because they are your brothers and your sisters in Christ. So that's number one, go and get to know five, five people. Number two is be praying uh, for those who are discipling young people, whether that's parents, whether that's leaders in ministries, whether that's something that you feel compelled to do as well as you're here every Sunday and you see young people. Be praying for those who are involved in that. We need all the prayer we can get. Um, and yeah, consider then how else other than prayer is my third one. You might get involved in that. So prayer is the biggest because... Our God, he knows us better than we know anybody else. And so he's the one who ultimately will change hearts. And yet, if you are someone who is like, man, I would love to get involved in discipling young people in whatever capacity, come and chat with me and we'll see what are some options of some ways you could do that. So talk to you yeah. if you'd like to do that. That's awesome. Great practical, but also a great testimony to the way God's uh, protected you or sheltered you or grown you with that support. Thanks for sharing. Paul and Janet, uh, thanks for coming up. Do you guys just want to share just a little bit, I know there's two of you guys, a little bit about the impact, like you growing up as a child, who, who, who and how did people shape your lives in faith? Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, we had a lot of turmoil as well. So what was said and what was modelled were slightly different. But once, and I remember getting to about... 13, 14, going, mm, I should know what this Christian thing is, but mm, don't really understand what it's all about. But I feel like I ought to know, so I'm not going to actually say anything. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm just going to watch. I'm just going to listen. Yep. <laughs> and um, finally figured it out at about 14. And then, no looking back, you know. And it was youth leaders that, <laughs> that did that for me, definitely. Um, and it was the, the faithful discipling of, of youth leaders just pouring into my life. Um, and, and also the prayerful faithfulness of my parents and my father especially. Um, yeah, I guess. That's good. And now you guys are parents. Oh, sorry, Paul, did you want to share your a quick summary? Of yeah, yeah, I grew up in a family that 
traditionally went to church because my parents, both from the silent generation, it was just a thing to do. But church was something that was a Sunday thing and it didn't really involve Monday to Saturday. So uh, growing up, I felt like God really didn't have the answers, um, but I just didn't really get to know him. And it wasn't until I just got frustrated with the whole world, um, being a dog-eat-dog world, um, that I just just got really frustrated until I um, was invited to a youth camp and I saw young people who were genuinely interested in me, which I hadn't seen anywhere else. And I could see the reason for that was that they all loved Jesus. And because of that, I decided I just want that so badly. And so that's when I decided that, yeah, I, I want to be a part of this and um, yeah. it changed my life. Yeah, awesome. So you guys are now parents now yourselves. And at the risk of embarrassing your kids, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, firstly, how old are your kids? Nine. 12 and 14. Awesome. So you've got a, a good spread. Uh, and what are their birthdays? It's <laughs> Not doing that. Um, so as parents, um, can you share us a little bit of the journey? Because now you're responsible for others in your own household with their faith. Uh, what's that been like? Some highs and lows? sort of. Um, I'm a educated teacher like I'm a primary teacher so Paul's like you know what the education thing is you know? <laughs> and also um, I went through your Christian education myself so he's like you teach me um, so you know I knew a little bit but eh, parents you never know if you're doing enough <laughs> or if you're doing the right thing or if you're yeah, there is never any time you go, yeah, I'm killing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's different to preparing for an exam or something too, isn't it? Because it's... Well, the exam is over the once it's over, but parenting is never over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess um, the real juggle is, because we've got, you know, this five-year five year spread of ages, what's appropriate for one is not necessarily appropriate for another. And, you know, the issues for one are not the same as the issues for another. And, I mean, at this point in our parenting, we've kind of got to the point where we can do the one thing for everybody. Um, and it's not a lot. You know, we read the Bible together once. So just an encouragement for those of you who don't <laughs> do much. Um, you're not alone. Um, you know, we, we read the Bible together most Saturday mornings. And we just go through a couple of questions. We've been going through Mark for a while. And this is not of my own, you know, invention. Um, I think last year I went, I need, we need to do something. This is, mm, I don't know what to do. And I went looking for, um, listening to some of Jen Wilkins' talks. And she talked about what she did with her teen kids. And um, she had the advantage of having all four squished into four years. <laughs> I don't know, advantage, crazy. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, that she would have a time as a family where they read the Bible together. And, and she said, you know, and she's a Bible teacher. She read the Bible once with her kids. I'm like, okay, I can do that. If you're once a Bible teacher <laughs> and you only do that regular. once, yeah, 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 we can do that. I can do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, 
So how then, so you work hard at that at home, as best you can. How does that fit into the rest of church? What are you hoping your church might help you with uh, as, as the body? We are so grateful. Just as you guys were talking, I'm like, <laughs> because Jean is my daughter's youth leader and very well loved. <laughs> and Rosie, I just adore everything you do for the youth and just I can't stress how important it is. Um, yeah, we, I would really value that. And all the people who have poured into our kids' lives through church, through kids' ministry and everything, it's just so valuable, so valuable. It's You don't ever underestimate getting up on a Sunday and going out to the back and going, oh, you have to miss out on church again. No, no, it's really important and it's really valuable and we really appreciate that very much. That's great hearing that from parents. Yeah, thanks. Albert, can I get you to come in here? I want you to have centre stage because you're in the dark over there. <laughs> Sorry to further embarrass you. Um, but you've got another amazing story. Can you share with us firstly uh, a bit of who were who the most influential people in you who shaped your faith? Right. So uh, I've always been going to church uh, since, uh, since forever I can remember, 40 years back. Um, but uh, in terms of... Uh, starting a new journey, uh, uh, being given a new heart and being transformed. Uh, it's only started about, let's say, maybe five to six years ago. Yeah, so only recent. Uh, I've always been going to church and everything, but uh, uh, at the same time, I can get very angry, easily get angry and things like that. But uh, yeah, so what happened five, six years ago was uh, I get to know Southside. This was back in the, the, the old building at the Seventh-day Adventist uh, building. And uh, it's all a process, but uh, uh, what a what, uh, couple of things I can think of then uh, that I think really helps me during my journey is definitely the message, I think, uh, has been, been good on the Sundays. I think those message are very strong, biblical, and uh, it really... Uh, yeah, planted that seed, I think, strongly. But uh, over uh, th th those period of time, there were a series of things. I had a small medical condition that kind of prompted me to think a bit more even about uh, uh, life after death uh, and things like that. But on the practical, more practical side of things, uh, what kind of stood out for me, uh, especially in our community here in Southside was uh, the people. Uh, I want to say all, but like, I think yeah, all, or mo most all. <laughs> I mean, all is a little bit worse, but like uh, uh, majority or almost all uh, of the people are very welcoming and genuine. This is thinking back like five years ago, up until now as well, but like, yeah, uh, people were very welcoming, uh, uh, genuinely uh, uh, want to know you and, uh, yeah, loving you. Th that was one thing that really helps. Uh, but uh, as I get, uh, get wanting to know more and more about uh, what's what's Bible all about and what Christ is all about, uh, I remember uh, I bought my first uh, uh, 
commentary Bible, NIV commentary Bible, and then I didn't know how to use it. And then uh, I came to Tim, Tim Perry. Uh, so he's kind of one of the guy that uh, kind of my uh, my mentor in a, in a sense. Like I, I get in touch a lot with him. Uh, I remember one night I went to his place and they're like, hey, can you explain to me like how to, to use this commentary Bible? Because I didn't know how to do it. So those practical things uh, really, really helped me. Uh, uh, yeah. So you've been on a real journey, not mm. just as a child, but over your whole life. Yep. Now you're a dad, mm. you're married. Mm -hmm. How many kids, how old are yep. they? Yep, so uh, I'm married, I got two kids, uh, 10 year old and seven year old. They're not here, unfortunately, today. They're today. a bit uh, 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 tired. <laughs> yeah, school But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so what's your priorities for a dad now, mm. for your family, for your wife and your kids? Mm -hmm. uh, and how can Southside help you in that? Yep, sure. Uh, I think uh, it's uh, uh, the, the, the your, your kids' uh, journey or, or uh, definitely we want to see uh, them to, to get to know Christ as well. Uh, and uh, it's very important to um, to teach that and be with them uh, at home, but uh, there is something with uh, uh, being together here in church. So I think I definitely want to be able to see them to to be here a bit more often and uh, to to get to know him uh, uh, better, and then just just so uh, just for them to feel a bit more uh, welcome, I guess, as well. Uh, like, not that they're not welcome, but like, especially with my daughter, she's uh, a bit uh, unsettled coming here, I think, yeah. So yeah. I think, yeah. So it's not just learning about Jesus, the head knowledge stuff, to mm. experience that in a community, mm -hmm. a place where they feel at home and belonging mm. is, um, yeah, super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, any other tips that we can do to help you out? Because we know you're super passionate. You're up mm. here in the band and mm. yeah, you're involved in growth group. You, you're like super committed. Um, is there anything else you want to share with us um, as a dad? Um, yeah, I guess uh, that's it. I guess uh, whatever uh, uh, the congregation can help to 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 make the family bit more welcome, I think, yeah. So yeah. even conversation, so mm. you were a proud dad last week, walking around with your iPad, showing everybody your daughter's ice skating. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. not to embarrass yeah, you. Yeah. Mm. But just to know, even kids have lives that we mm. can go, hey, what have you been up to? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh man, I'm doing ice skating and mm -hmm. competing mm -hmm. now, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But there's stuff that each of us, doesn't matter how old we are, mm. and um, we all have that impact. Yeah. I hope you've, been struck by that. That's a common theme here uh, from everybody that we all have a part to play. I'm going to pray now for you guys, for us as a church, but I hope there's some stuff there we can all walk away from and that uh, God can build us as a strong and healthy church growing in Jesus. Would you please pray with me? Dear Father God, we just thank you. Thank you for your love for the lost, for people like us. Lord, we confess to you that we can't do anything on our own that's uh, righteous or good or deserving of favour but through Jesus and Jesus alone that we find life and we can be a part of your family. So Lord, we just thank you that uh, you've invited us in, that you pursued us through Jesus and you've brought us into this, 
this family here at Southside. Lord, uh, we just thank you for the story, the way you've worked in the uh, lives of these guys up here on the stage and their families as well. But Lord, we just pray as a church body that we will continue to love each other, build each other up, point each other to Jesus and the, that genuine love for each other uh, distinguishes us from the rest of the world that we won't be tossed around like the wind and the waves, but certainly clinging to Jesus. All trials of life, the good times and the bad, young or old, Lord, draw us nearer and nearer to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.